Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Wilander. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. We have just one singles match of the French Open still to go. It is the French Open men's final between Stan Wawrinka and Rafael Nadal, who's going for 10 French Open titles. My name is David Law, joined by Catherine Whitaker of Eurosport, who's in Paris right now. Before we got on to anything else, Catherine Whitaker, I think we need to talk about the women's final, which was a cracker. And it featured a first-time winner of a Grand Slam tournament, a first-time winner of any tournament. 20 years of age, Yelena Ostapenko. I, I can't believe I'm saying it, to be quite honest. There was a great line from Chris Everett in your interview that we had on earlier today when she said she wouldn't have even been in my 20 to have won the title. And here she is. No, and all of the greatest stories in sport are when something that unexpected happens. And I, I tweeted earlier today that the only person that doesn't seem surprised by all this is Yelena Ostapenko. And how is that not annoying? How is her precociousness and her confidence at that young age not annoying? And I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe it's unfair to, 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 to those in whom it is annoying, but it's not I just think she's so cool. I think she's gnarly and feisty and ballsy. And I love everything about her. And I really do think that this moment, her lifting that French Open trophy and and being sung on by the Latvian national anthem, the first time a Latvian has ever won a Grand Slam title, I really do think this is a moment we'll be looking back on in the archives in 20 or 30 years' time. I cannot see her not going on to be a great tennis player, barring terrible injury or, I, I, I don't know, barring terrible injury, really. I I really think this is a, a seminal moment in tennis, and uh, she is incredible. A set and love three down to Simona Halep. I, I I know that Simona Halep, and I really do spare a lot of thoughts for her this evening, sitting her, seeing her sit courtside uh, as they brought out the podium uh, and, and set up for the trophy ceremony. She looked utterly shattered and disconsolate. And, you know, from her perspective, she's going to think... 
I've lost to an unseeded player from a certain three love and 15-40, I think, up, or 40-15 up. And I will never have a better chance to win a Grand Slam title. title. And, and, and yes, on paper, that's how it is. But that's not how it is, because I really think this is one of those Boris Becker winning Wimbledon at 17 moments, Chris Evert winning the French Open at 19 moments. I really do think it's one of those. And there is absolutely no shame for Simona Halep in losing today. And she was just beaten by a star and a great, great champion in the making. Wow. Big, big words, Catherine. Uh, I'll, I'll have my view on them in a moment or two. Let's just go through the match itself. You, you mentioned that Halep was leading by a set and three love. And, and the first set was really good, wasn't it? It was 6-4. And actually, it only really, t- there were loads of breaks of serve, but it only actually turned in the end in that 10th game when when Halep just about managed to, to, to get the break. And, and I think it was Ostapenko just going along with a, a forehand. And then when she went three love down, I did think, oh, this is a bit of a shame. You know, this, although, although I think Halep becoming world number one and winning the title would have been a great story in its own right, it would have been a real shame had that ended 6-3 or 6-4, 6-1, which I thought it was about to do. And I do feel that it's, it is a great testament to, to Ostabenko's mentality, her temperament, that she, she managed to, to keep firing away and, and, and hitting the mark enough and rattling Halep. She, she took it away from her. It, it was the closest thing to, to the day before where Vavrinka did the same to Murray. And uh, yeah, it was great. I think that's a really interesting comparison. I, I felt the same. You know, we were about to rush courtside when it went through love. We were sat there. I was plugging my walkie-talkie in, you know, to be prepared to go live after the match. I was preparing myself for that. We all were. We thought, oh, gosh, this is going to be a, a quick second set and it's all going to be over and, and the, the high-ranked player is going to, in the end, whitewash and... I'm so impressed. I'm so, so impressed with Yelena Ostapenko. I know that she's young and, and fearlessness comes with youth, but it doesn't always, you know, it really doesn't always. It's been a long time since we really had somebody as young and as precocious as Yelena Ostapenko muscle their way in to this scene, you know. Serena Williams has had a real stranglehold on women's tennis and Angelique Kerber, you know, it's She's it's taken to her late 20s to be able to to muscle her way in there. And yes, others have, have got in there and won the odd Grand Slam, but not in the way that Yelena Ostapenko has from, from nowhere and with the attitude that she has. And uh, yeah, 54 winners to 54 unforced errors. There are big, big comparisons with Stan Wawrinka. And in terms of Simona Halep, look, she will be devastated and rightly so. It should hurt. This should hurt. This was her French Open to lose. She was playing the tennis of her life. She had Darren Cahill boosting her up. I I still believe regardless of the result today, he's done a fantastic job and I hope they continue working together. But this will hurt. However, with her style of play, I think there are similarities to Djokovic. It is brilliant. It is something to behold at its best the wall of defense and the things they get back and the points they win that they have no right to win that is a glory in itself however you are always susceptible no matter how well you play to somebody 
like Vavrinka on the men's side and like Ostapenko on the women's side, who goes for everything, you are susceptible to somebody having the match or the day or the purple patch of their life. That style of play is always going to be open. You're sort of saying, come and beat me. You're sort of saying, okay, try and hit winners against me. And and yeah, you can do it once or twice, but can you do it time after time after time? And usually the answer is no, but occasionally a Vavrinka or an Ostapenko will come along and they'll say, yeah, I can do it time after time after time. And I'm going to do it on the biggest day, on the biggest occasion, and I'm going to wrestle this Grand Slam title from you. And that's what Ostapenko did today. She certainly did. And she is a very, very worthy champion. Now, my uh, reservations, my hesitation at agreeing with the degree to which you think she is going to be a great champion of the future. Look, she's already a great champion. No one will ever take away the fact that she is the French Open champion, aged only just 20. Wonderful achievement. There's a few things, though. One is she hasn't shown any sign of this before. And she has been around for a couple of years. It's not like she... Hang on. What do you mean, not any sign? She hasn't. She's not, not come any, any sign? she's not won a title on the tour. She has not Yeah, but she's 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 a teenager. Yeah, lo- she's a teenager plus two days. Loads of teenagers have, have won titles. She has been talked about. That's like come on, David. No, that's no, like I've saying seen a, Dennis Shapovalov has not won a title it, on the it tour. It is not the same thing. She has been on the tour for two years, right? I've been commentating her on, yeah, on her from still, that is, This is young. This is young in terms of modern tennis. Very young. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying she's not young, but she has been around for a couple of years, and she has not put it together to this point. In those two years, when players like Madison Keys have won titles without actually doing what Ostapenko's done, so hats off to Ostapenko. No question about it. Wouldn't take away any of her achievement at all. But I don't necessarily feel that that forecasts a future of multiple Grand Slams. I think she's capable. I think the shots are there. You, you don't hit 50 winners plus past Simona Halep in three sets without having the ability to do all the things that you've said. But there, there's there are other elements that will come into it. Well, well, how, how will well she... what are the other... Okay, talk me through the other elements and where you doubt her. We have no idea how she's going to handle being Yelena Ostapenko, Grand Slam champion. No. No idea whatsoever. You never do, though. You never do. Well, of course. So, yeah, I, That's why you have to have reservations I'm guessing, about it. I'm guessing on the basis of her temperament, on the basis of what I've seen so far... That is what I think. Would, I think. would you have guessed? I'm not saying there won't be wobbles here and there. Maybe she'll have an immediate wobble. It could be that she'll really dip away. I'm, you know, I, I'm. I would very definitely be reluctant to predict her to do anything. But at Wimbledon, what I'm seeing is a potentially 15-year career ahead of her. I'm not talking about the next six months or even necessarily the next year. I'm talking about a potential 15-year career, which on the basis of Serena Williams and Roger Federer, and, you know, that's the way the game is at the moment. I see her doing great things. I really do. Well, I hope you're right. Certainly, of course. I, I just think of somebody like Garbini Magarutha, who I think a year ago we would have, most of us, thought the same. And I certainly, at the start of this year, I thought she would She's have an amazing though. year. And she hasn't. I don't know. That, that, yeah. Yeah, they're different character, those. The characters, though. Magaritha, 
I feel, okay, she found it in herself for certain matches and for certain occasions in this French Open. I question whether she has found the love and the passion for tennis day in, day out. I think Yelena Ostapenko feeds off it. I really do. I think she lives and breathes for it. And I know there is a test to come, you know, when all the distractions come off the court, when all the sponsorship deals come flooding in and there are distractions and temptations coming left right and center I know she hasn't been fully tested in that regard and for that reason I don't know for sure I'm just saying on the basis of what I see at the moment and today I see a really gnarly young lady that's the word that kept me I've spent quite a few days trying to find the right word and I just think she's gnarly and cool and I put it on Twitter earlier like usually really precocious young people really annoy me (laughs) it's really it's a real bugbear of mine but she doesn't she doesn't annoy me she's somehow precocious and confident and in your face in an well look I'm sure some people find her annoying each to their own but I don't think she's sort of objectively annoying I think she's just cool and and ballsy and I think that's great yeah very interesting I mean certainly I think if you were to take a straw poll of some of her peers, some of them find her annoying. But I think you're right. I think a lot of times people do find precociousness annoying if it if it's beating you particularly. Um, of course. Oh, gosh, if I was her opponent, I'd hate it. But, but I would quite, quite interesting. find her the most annoying person in the oh, world. I sat down that's, and watched that. But that's neither here nor I there. I sat down and watched that final with my wife, who'd never heard of her before. And she watched the match. And within within 60 seconds, she was cheering for her. And she was... She she had didn't come in with any preconceptions as to who she wanted to win, but it was very quick that the way that Ostapenko won her over, and that approach, that sort of swashbuckling, I'm just going for it. I don't care who's down the other end. It, it is intoxicating. That would form, I think, the other part of my reservation about her in the future. This could could just be a hot streak. It could be two weeks that she will never repeat because they all went in for these two weeks. Yeah, look, she might be a Stanford Rinker. She might never be world number one. She might not do it week in, week out. But Stanford Rinker is a three-time, potentially four-time, potentially, who knows, grandson champion. And he will go down in the history books. And, and that is greatness in itself. I'm not necessarily predicting that she is going to be the all-time greatest or is going to be at world number one for you know, three years in a row. You know, she's not necessarily going to be Serena Williams. I just think this is not a flash in the pan. She is here to stay in one way or another. I do hope you're right. Uh, I do. I'm not convinced, because, but then I may be convinced. You think this might be a flash in the pan? Yeah, you think this be. might be a, you know, in five to ten years' time, oh, God, yeah, you remember that year that, you know, sort of like a a, um, a Moschina year? Gosh, do you remember that year? No, that I wouldn't Stepenko compare it to Moschina. That was weird, wasn't no, it? No, I wouldn't compare it to somebody like Moschina because I don't think she had the, the, the potential to do a lot more than she did. I think she maxed out. I think Angelique Kerber has more than maxed out. I, I can't believe that she managed to, to win two Grand Slam titles last year and reach the final of a third. But in terms of the history books, you think we might go, gosh, yeah. Do you remember that weird year when Elaine Ostapenko won? I think you may look back on her and, and think that she was a prodigious talent and she showed it for that couple of weeks and maybe did it once more. Marit Safin only won two Grand Slam titles. How good was he? Yeah, 
Marit Safran was a very specific character, though. Very specific. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not saying there aren't there aren't some similarities. And look, you could you could be right. I, I'm not. Look, I'm, I don't I'm, say what I'm saying with any certainty. I'm not convinced I, I just, by my argument. I, I've just. Wow, I don't, I, I'm surprised that I'm being the positive one and you're being the uh, the uh, the doom predictor, the doom monger. <laughs> this is. I'm just so blown away by our respective stances. I, I feel like the universe is is turned upside I, I th- down I, I, do don't, feel I don't know what to do what, with myself one element of it though is it is different watching up close and seeing somebody up close to watching them on just on tv which is what i've been doing yeah so i i know better than you and let's move on well that's that's highly <laughs> is possible that, that is possible no, I, no no that's look i it, it, it the fact that you're saying this and that you're the most positive person in the world is making me sort of check myself and wonder if i may be doing being too positive about it but I'm I'm going to stand by my guns. I know what I saw today. I'm not certain about my prediction by any means, but I feel confident in my reason to believe that she has a bright future. Well, I, I don't... And that this won't... Crucially, that this won't be a flash in the pan. Yeah. Well, I, I like it, Catherine. I like it a lot. And, uh, and no, I mean, she's been a joy to watch these past two weeks, no matter what. what one interesting note uh, as a final point on this also from Chris Evert's commentary today, where she said she's got to learn now to say no as much as she can because there's going to be so many things offered to her. You mentioned some of them, the endorsements, the media opportunities, etc. She's got to ensure that being a tennis player, getting the best out of herself and living her own life still the way she has been able to can continue because you know she'd won 1.3 million dollars her whole career up until today she won 2.1 million for winning this title so her life is already turned upside down in in many regards i i i, th- I think that is important she's got to figure out a way to to be herself and uh, and and that will give her the best chance without question and it's something that as much as i have a lot of time for Angelique Kerber and I think she's basically not a sort of mercenary sellout type person at all I I really don't I I do think that for example just comparing her Twitter presence today or these days to what it was before she won a Grand Slam title or became the world number one now it's just corporate promotional tweets it, it it really is the the tweets that you don't believe for a second come from angelique kerber it's promoting some sort of weird product or hey just received my latest at whatever there's some kind of diet food company that she promotes that i find really bizarre hey just received my latest diet chef package loving it hashtag loving it or something and i just sort of die inside a bit for her because I don't really believe that that's her I believe that I just think that sort of everything's just been on a bit of a treadmill for her and got a bit carried away and she's had to sort of sign up to not had to I mean but signed up to things that she perhaps didn't realize the consequences of or I don't know I'm filling in a lot of blanks here but I know that her sort of social media public presence is very different to what it was before she became a star of tennis and like every one of those tweets every one of those deals it isn't just doing a tweet every now and then all of them come with appearances and uh, uh, and uh, all the re- well yeah lots of appearances basically and lots of time out of your 
schedule and all the rest of it and and they take their toll. Yeah, the, there is a bit of a, a template for what happens if you win a Grand Slam and various boxes you're able to tick immediately and it's all just laid out in front of you in order to make vast sums of money and get lots of publicity yeah, and, and all the rest can, of it. And I'm quite sure it's very easy to end up sort of sleepwalking through it all and, and look... There are good sports agents out there and there are bad sports agents out there. I've no idea what kind of sports agent Ostapenko has, but you know, the the influence you have influences you have around you at this stage become very very important and you're surrounded by a lot of people that have their own agendas and she's 20 years old and that, goodness knows how easily led astray I would have been at 20 years old. I've no idea, but it's it's a lot. It's a lot, and and you're absolutely right. All those things could come into play, and she could end up burning out, and who knows? But I see a fire in her that gives me confidence in the next ten years of her career. Yeah, well, I think that's great, and I hope that that uh, bears itself out. Just just a quick note as well on her coaching setup: being coached throughout her life by a mother, and now by Annabelle Medina, the, the former or current player, I think, actually, but she's been injured and has been guided by her for the last six months or so. It's great story, great sort of achievement from them individually, but also Chris Clary pointed out uh, today that it's it's an important moment for, for female coaches and maybe the, the, the acceptance that why on earth not? And let's let's actually start seeing if this can lead to, to, to more female coaching appointments. Well, absolutely. I retweeted him uh, on the comment that he made, and it, it just seems so sad that that's a point that even has to be made. But unfortunately, it is. Um, I, I find it so bizarre that that... Yeah, that it's a point that even has to be made. And um, it's just a template that exists isn't it you know male coaches you know what and you know you look at what Andy Murray went through in terms of the barrage of questioning and having to defend his position for appointing a female coach I wouldn't necessarily want to put myself through that it would make me second guess myself and and just and still you hear still still I hear the analysis that you know, he oh Murray Murray wouldn't misbehave and behave badly on court and do his old histrionics in front of Lendl. You know that was the narrative this time last year. You know he's ditched ditched Maresmo because she wasn't enough of a an authoritative um, substantial force in the box for him. You know she couldn't keep him in check on the court. Well, frankly, nor can Lendl. It's all about Andy Murray, how he behaves on the court. It's nothing to do, really, let's be honest, with who he's got in the box because he's done it plenty of times under Lendl. He's done it plenty of times this tournament under Lendl. It really bothers me that that narrative still persists, really, of, of that relationship. That's, I mean, nobody, you know, really gives Amelie Moresmo any credit at all, whereas I think she still deserves a lot of credit for how Andy Murray plays on clay but everyone seems to look back on that as sort of this relationship that dissolved because she wasn't an authoritative enough figure and oh it just I I can't believe this is even something we're having to talk about but sadly it is and obviously obviously female coaches are every bit as qualified as men's 
Well, end of story. Un- Let's move on. Unquestionably, it's just nice to have a, a something that puts it front and center, and 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 absolutely, and helps to to move that along a little. I think anyway. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. The men's final is coming up tomorrow. We have an interview that Catherine has done with John McEnroe. Who better to talk to than John McEnroe? I'll be hearing for him in just a moment. It's it's exciting, this, to think that we've got Vavrinka Nadal. But it is also interesting that so many of us picked this as the final. When we saw the draw, it it did stand out, didn't it? Even I. When you say so many of us, did you even pick I this got this final? one right, Catherine? Did you? Oh, I did too. Yeah. Okay, right. I, I couldn't quite remember what your predictions, but yes, I did too. I feel very smug uh, that I got three of the four finalists. Virtually Obviously, all of us picked <laughs> this as a final. Did we? Um, yeah, I wish I could say I picked Yelena Ostapenko to be the champion, but alas. Uh, my foresight is not that great. But yeah, uh, and I tell you what, this is worst case scenario for Rafael Nadal. This is the one person he did not want to play and even more so did not want to play in a final. And I I think people are being far too generous to Nadal or far too ungenerous to Vavrinka in their predictions on this. I really do. Yeah, Nadal's been playing brilliantly, but every player that's ever faced Stan Wawrinka in a Grand Slam final has been playing brilliantly in the lead-up and has been the favourite going into it. Stan Wawrinka wins Grand Slam finals. That's, that's what we know about him. And I think it's more marginal than any other Grand Slam final Wawrinka has gone into. I think it's a 51-49, but I give the 51 to Wawrinka. I really do. I... I, I, I Stavrovinka plays his best in Grand Slam finals and I know 
Nadal is playing brilliantly. I know that. And I think either way, it's probably going to be five sets tomorrow in a fantastic final. But I really think people aren't paying enough attention to Favrinka's incredible record at the latter stages of slams. I, I think he's a beast. He is, yeah. A- and I give him the edge. Hold on, you, you're picking Stan Favrinka to beat Rafa Nadal in the final tomorrow. Yeah, marginally. I know it's what I said, not what I said pre-tournament. And I know that's sort of ridiculous because Nadal has only been even more impressive throughout the tournament than he has been so far. And as I say, I really am talking 50.1 to 49.9. But yes, sort of, which I know there's no logic in this at all, but sort of swayed by what I saw today, you know, these sort of expectant champion in waiting versus the upstart go-getter all-or-nothing type player that nobody's predicting and yeah there are there are a lot of parallels I think being between today and and tomorrow and I know there's absolutely no logic in saying what happened today is going to happen tomorrow but I just I I give the minute edge to Vavrenka Catherine Whittaker from Eurosport there. I, I, incidentally, I have to say that the Ostapenko performance today did influence me a bit as well in that regard. Having said which, uh, I, I did then run a pole vault on it. 500 votes have come in so far. Only 1% think that Stan Wawrinka will win in three sets. I can't, I can't even... Oh, hang on, win in three sets. No, I don't think I'm winning... Well, hang on, 1% is pathetic, but... Yeah, there's no chance. I mean, Stanford Rinker doesn't do winning. Okay, he has in this tournament. But generally speaking, he doesn't do winning in three sets, does 20% he? 20% in he total. Only, he needs four sets to reach his best. Like It's almost like he can't play his best over three sets. Like if he's going to win, it needs to be in more than three sets. Does that make any sense? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, anyway, yeah, so basically there are 80% who think Nadal will win. Um, and uh, yeah, that's... Really? Yeah, 80% think that... Nadal will win, 20% He's won every Rinker. Grand Slam final he's played. Nadal's won nine, in, nine out of nine in the French Open. Look, I, are you saying you think 80%... Again, I, I don't want to fall into the trap You're going to now disprove your gauging. own theory. No, but you don't know... Percentage of people voting for something does not measure the strength of opinion in those that voted. I think that's a very clear... That is one of my main issues in pole vault, that you, that you uh, conclude from those stats that... People think that Nadal has an eighty percent chance of winning. I haven't That's not the case. That. Every every single one of those people could have voted on a a forty nine fifty one basis. That that's a that's not the right way to interpret that data. Uh, so that isn't I don't what know. I've done. Look, though, come on, he's won every Grand Slam final he's played. Come on, Nadal's won fourteen. Come of on, them. fourteen slams. Yeah, okay. Look, we can all throw stats at one another till we're blue in the set face. I've I've said my piece. You say yours. All right, I'll do it in a minute. Anyway, Catherine's been speaking to John McEnroe about Rafael Nadal against Stan Wawrinka, and McEnroe had agreed that that sounds pretty good. It sounds great. I mean, I just worry a little bit. Stan played four and a half hours. Ralph has cruised through to the final. He seems he's going to have a lot more left, but Stan puts the fear of God in anyone. He's one of the few, if only players that I know, top players, that the, 
guys at the end of the tournament are more worried about than the guys in the beginning. And if he can get through that first week, he gets on a roll. And um, what I've seen the last three or four years has been pretty historic for him. Um, if he's got one more left in him, somehow bounce back after that match with Murray, that would be unbelievably impressive. People have been describing Rafa's form as unbeatable, but the fact is that Stan is three for three in Grand Slam finals. He doesn't lose them, does he? Uh, well, that we, we have to make sure that uh, people uh, realize how great a player he has become. I think that stat's pretty telling. Um, he seems to be uh, a guy who's just incredibly fit. This will be the ultimate test. I mean, I don't think there's any, ever been anything more difficult than beating Rafa, best of five in the biggest court in tennis at the French Open. So he's going to have his work cut out for him, but he's one of the few guys that can hit through anyone, even including Rafa. So if he gets hot, anything can happen. Magnus Norman, Stan's coach, talks about his natural fitness, his natural endurance. Do you think he will be able to recover from that four-and-a-half-hour semi-final against Andy? Well, as someone who has a great amount of respect for him and loves the sport and wants to see a great final, I certainly hope so. The guy that's going to test him more than anyone ever w would in a match like this would be Nadal. So um, we'll see. I mean, he's 32. He's the oldest finalist here in 40-something years. So uh, that shows you how difficult it is what he's already pulled off. To beat Nadal, who's obviously the greatest ever clay court player, if he were to do that, um, my hat's off to him. And in terms of the matchup, what are you expecting tactically from each of the two players? Well, tactically, I anticipate that um, Nadal's going to make him run a lot, so to test the legs. Uh, Stan's going to have to win a lot of early points, you know, hurt him on his serve. Uh, that's going to be important, his first serve percentage, and how big he goes off the, uh, off the serve. You know, I anticipate even though Rafa's mixed it up more gone for more on his serve that he's going to maybe back off get a higher percentage and not allow Stan to rip a second serve return instead he's likes blocking more serves so I anticipate he'll try that but we'll see Nadal is going for something truly extraordinary La Decima it would be extraordinary for tennis can you put it into context in the whole of sport where it would sit in the list of all-time great sporting achievements uh that's uh at the top, you know, close to the top. I mean, I know guys like Phelps have had like something like 30 gold medals, and you look at some of the accomplishments of some of the all-time greats in their own sports, and you say to yourself, um, has anyone topped this? I don't think so. I mean, Ro Roger winning Australia was an unbelievable achievement. So, you know, the two of them uh, in our sport are like the Mount Rushmore, uh, what we have in America, and... Um, it's been a pleasure to watch him over the years. I can't believe he's still playing this well, and I can't believe Stan's gotten better with age like a fine wine. Hopefully we all can say the same. John, who's going to do it tomorrow? i got to go with Nadal. Uh, I, just, uh, I think that he, he's fresher. He's, he, somehow he's still hungry. Um, Stan has the best puncher's chance of anyone. He played a long match with Murray. I don't care who you are. It's tough to come all the way back from that, so... It, it's hard to see that happening, but I'd sure like to see it go a long way. So, Catherine, John McEnroe in your company on Eurosport. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is exciting, isn't it? The, the, the prospect of this final. Roger Federer, you, you mentioned uh, how Vavrinka basically doesn't get going until it gets into four sets. Roger Federer's nickname for Vavrinka is The Diesel. <laughs> which I think is is perfect, isn't it? That's something Chris Clary wrote in the New York Times. Great piece. Um, and, I mean, there are other factors as well. Magnus Norman was in the coach box of Robin Soderling when he, when he was the man who beat Nadal in 09. 
maybe he's going to be able to concoct the tactics that are required. If anybody can, he can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this guy knows how to to craft a plan to win a Grand Slam. I know it's Nadal. I know he's been playing brilliantly. And as I've said, it's marginal. But how many more times can I say it? Stan Wawrinka and Magnus Norman win Grand Slams together when they get into finals. Well, they do. They're, uh, they're not winning this one, though. This one's going to go five sets, Catherine, in my view. I think Nadal will have enough. I think he will be so relentless. I think there will be periods when even that relentlessness is thwarted by the explosiveness of, of Wawrinka. But I just think Nadal is an unstoppable force this week. I don't I just don't think he will be denied. And uh he he's had the perfect warm up against Dominic Team as well. He is twenty six and zero. I was reading in a Mark Petchy piece written in the Telegraph. Twenty six and zero at the French Open against opponents with single handed backhands. I know this is a single handed backhand. None of the, that is none different. of those have been Stanford Rinkin. No, I understand that, but he's won six out of their seven matches on clay as well. Um, 15-3 yeah, I, d- I, d- oh, I don't know you can produce all sorts of stats I'm not sure that uh, no, they're I all irrelevant I don't think ultimately. the comparisons with Dominic Team. Dominic Team had his head down after, as we discussed yesterday had his head down or was it a couple of days ago whenever it was had his head down after three or four games Stanford Brinker will not put his head down at any stage. He'll lose the first set and he'll feel even more buoyed. He'll feel like, yeah, I've got him just where he wants him. (laughs) And I I get the thing about Nadal uh, bouncing up the the top spun ball to the Vavrinka backhand, but I think Vavrinka is better, significantly better at dealing with that than any other single-handed backhand player on clay. And I'm, I'm, you sort of backing me into this big corner of really confidently predicting that Vavrinka's going to win. I don't feel confident about it at all. As I say, I think it's incredibly marginal. I'm not going to be surprised at all if Nadal wins, and it will be the most amazing story and just all glorious. Both stories are glorious. But if I'm backed against the wall, which I always am on the tennis podcast, I will just go for Vavrinka. Okay. Oh, it's exciting, isn't it? I hope you're all looking forward to it. Uh, We've already had uh, today the wonderful story of Yelena Ostapenko. We've also had uh, the doubles final result, which has resulted in Ryan Harrison of the United States. And I don't even know this guy's first name. Uh, What's his name? Michael Venus of New Zealand. Michael Venus of New Zealand, yeah. Yeah, we've got a colleague, haven't we? Dave Worsley, who's uh, a Kiwi radio reporter who was very excited about this news. Anyway, Ryan Harrison and Michael Venus have won the doubles title on the men's side um, and uh, they've beaten Gonzalez and Donald Young in the uh, in the final there. So uh, fantastic achievement for them. And uh, the women's final is tomorrow. It is going to be Bethany Matic Sands and Lucy Safarova against Ashley Barty and Casey Delacqua in a match at 11.30. That'll be good, local time. And then the men's singles final is local time, 3 p.m. So 2 p.m. in the UK. What's that sort of? Build-up starts at 1.30 p.m. on Eurosport. Oh, Catherine, brilliant. So exciting. And uh, I think in the current, in the plans at the moment, I will be live courtside with Pat Cash at the start of the show and with Mats Verlander 
just before the players walk on court. Oh, fantastic. And how's your... And it'll be Mats Verlander and Simon Reid in commentary. So how can you resist? That's too good. Too good for words. So 1.30 UK time tomorrow, Eurosport. Uh, it'll also be on Five Live as well if you're listening in the, radio, in the car and want to listen on the radio. And Catherine, uh, had a good day generally today? Has it been all right? Any interesting things happen? Yes. Uh, well, you know all the interesting things that have happened, really. I, I've i just brushed the sort of eight layers of hairspray out of my hair. Um, and that was, I mean, the the things that sort of telly hairspray does to one's hair is, is not, um, not, probably not podcastable, really. I don't have um, to do that. So... No, I wish I didn't have to do that. The the sound that the hairbrush made passing through my hair was not not a, not a normal sound for such a process. Oh, hang on. I know what you're getting at, David. Something else happened today. Oh, yeah, what's that? I was now fangirl alert here. Fangirl alert. Um I was standing courtside waiting uh, to get into the photographer's pit to do a live uh, cross with Mary Pierce immediately after the um, presentation ceremony of the women's final and we're sort of standing in this little inlet courtside while the um, uh, sort of strong young men brought the various pieces of the podium onto the court and there were about 15 pieces of them. It didn't seem to be a particularly efficient process, the construction of the on-court podium uh, for the presentation ceremony and I'm just standing there sort of stressing about various elements of the whole situation. Suddenly this hand appears uh, under my eye line. Uh, And I look at the hand and I look up and it is the hand of Mary Carrillo. And I just assumed that she'd mistaken me for somebody else. To be clear, Mary Carrillo is my living hero. And I think yours as well, David. she's, She's not that familiar to UK audiences which is a terrible shame. Just just give a brief synopsis of who she is and what she's done Catherine for anybody outside of the United States who's perhaps not come across her. Well she was a great great tennis player in her own right played uh, it it probably most famous for for playing mixed doubles with John McEnroe won a great deal of titles but was was a great player um, and but has subsequently become uh, maybe not a better analyst, but even more renowned for being. Is. I would say she is. Well, far yes, better. but I, I'm I'm just reluctant to do down her career. That's not what I want to do at all. She is even more renowned now as a broadcaster and analyst of the sport. She works predominantly for the Tennis Channel in the states, but for other broadcasters as well, I think. And she is just fantastic. If I could ever be a fraction of the broadcaster that she is, I would die a happy person. She really is. I know we're, you know, I, we are at the risk of sounding really, really sycophantic, but trust me, she is worthy of it. She is a glorious broadcaster. So this hand appears below my eye line and I look up and see that it's Mary Carrillo and obviously just assume that she's mistaken me for someone else. And because uh, you've never met her before, but I sort of, I, I'd never met her before. No, I'd never, I'd never had the guts to go up to Mary Carrillo and and just start com- not because she's any kind of sort of diva or or anything, but just because she's super cool. And why on earth would she want to talk to me? But um, look up, see it's Mary Carrillo, and I was about to sort of say, I, I don't know what I was about to say, but before I could say anything, she said, "Hi, I, I'm." Mary, I love your podcast. I listen every week. And obviously I could 
I failed to get sort of any kind of cohesive or interesting words out at all. She told me she particularly loved the episodes in the pub. Um, I said I was just... (laughs) Um, so so flattered that she even listened, let alone liked it. It was all just, just grotesque fangirling, really. I, I'm sure I dealt with it dreadfully, but she is fantastic. And uh, yeah, if if every one of you listening now tunes out and never listens to this podcast again, I think we'll still keep making it, David. Just <laughs> just in case you carry just on. if Mary Carillo is listening, honestly, I really think I would keep going if even only Mary Carrillo was listening. And I hope that uh, one day, maybe one day soon, we can get her as a, a guest on the podcast and, and all the people listening and, and we could maybe bring her to the attention of, of the British audience because um, that's what she deserves and that's what the, the British tennis-watching public deserve. Oh, well said. Uh, I think she's wonderful. And, and uh, when you told me that this had happened, first of all, I swore and, to- and told you you were lying. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was the it was the best reaction I've ever had from David Law and David Law is an enthusiastic man about everything. So to say that this reaction was was notable above all other reactions is is really saying something. Yeah. It was a, it was a yeah, look, I'll end I'll end my fangirling now because I can hear people tuning out in their droves. Oh, nobody's but listening. It, it just really, Mary. It, it really, yeah, it's just Mary and Lars Graf. That's it. Uh, it really, really was um, a special moment. Yeah. It really was. No, it was. It was fantastic. Right, Catherine, uh, bedtime. There's a final tomorrow. Got to get some sleep. Uh, it's it's too exciting. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get sleep. This is like Christmas Eve. And um, yeah, anyway. It's time, it's time to go now. Catherine Whitaker is going to be on Eurosport tomorrow. Coverage begins at 1.30. You've got the Eurosport player if you're out and about and want to watch it that way. You could listen on Five Live. There's loads of ways to be able to stay across it. Read all the articles in the Telegraph. There's the Mark Petty piece on tactics. Very interesting, that. There's also the, uh, the Simon Briggs stuff that you'll be able to read. It all happens tomorrow. Now, listen, if you've enjoyed the tennis podcast, I think we've done about 14 of them, mostly because of Catherine's hard graft. Go and leave us a review on iTunes. That way everybody gets to hear about the show. We can grow the audience and keep it going as long as we possibly can. Follow us on Instagram. There's pictures. There's there's all sorts of stuff. Catherine behind the scenes doing what she does in Paris. The French Open men's singles final is tomorrow. We'll be back with the tennis podcast straight after. Speak to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.